0: Hello, welcome to the Holistic House Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Center, healthcare practitioner, occupational therapist, and holistic wellness advocate. I'm excited to share with you natural, evidence based, and effective solutions for a thriving and healthy life. Explore the world of nutritional medicine, essential oil therapy, and clean, toxin free living. Become educated and empowered to transform your health for a more vibrant and happy life. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you're here for the first time, I would love to welcome you. I'm so thankful to be sharing this space with you today. I apologize. I... Didn't have a new episode last week. I was out sick with the flu, and I didn't want to try to record this episode with no voice and a clouded head. I I really appreciate your patience with me. It's it's really important for me to be consistent and to show up for you guys every week. And obviously, the flu isn't something that I planned. And uh, again, I apologize for that. I do, I really appreciate all of your support. I hit over 150 downloads this last week, which is a small victory for me considering that I don't pay for advertising. Uh, The only advertising I do is word of mouth and like Instagram. So it it really means so much to me to have listeners like you all engage with the content. Um, I'm also really grateful for those who have taken the time to rate and review my show on iTunes. I've received some really wonderful feedback, and that really just solidifies to me that I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be, and I'm doing the thing that I was created to do, and so I thank you all for that. Okay, deep breath. Today's topic is heavy and also heartbreaking. It's something that I'm incredibly passionate about. Today's episode is Insidious Racism and Health Outcomes in African Americans. I am going to skip any personal updates this week because I want the focus to be 100% on the Black Lives Matter movement, and I want to acknowledge and honor any person who has ever had to face injustice based on the color of their skin. Racism is not okay, and it is not enough for us to just not be racist. We must be anti-racist. This requires movement, action. First and foremost, let me say that my role in this matter is one of listening, learning, And taking action to do better. I fully recognize that as a white woman, I will never be able to completely understand the devastating psychosocial or emotional effects of racism, nor will I be equipped with the exact right words to say. But please, let me be the right person. Today, I invite you into my journey of researching and exploring more on this topic as it relates to the health and wellness of African Americans. Because I am aware of my limitations, I'm going to spend a large portion of this episode interviewing my dear friend and colleague, Andrea Jones. She brings insight and life to this issue that I alone cannot give you. She has an important message to say, and I want you to help me in honoring her and giving her this platform to speak. Before I begin, let me also say that I spent the last several weekends, excuse me, I spent the last several weekends reading, listening, and researching for this episode. Uh, I don't say this for recognition, rather I say this for some grace. Most of the things that I speak about on this podcast are things that I'm really well-educated in. Racism and health outcomes, I'm ashamed to say, is something that I'm not well-versed in. I'm telling you this because you may leave this episode with more questions than answers, and I intend on studying this topic more, but what I'm sharing with you today is just two main points, and it's really just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to health outcomes for our African-American population. All right, so let's just dive in. There is a long-standing history of health disparities amongst the Black and white population. We know that Black people die younger. Even when adjusted for education and income, they still die on average three years younger than their white counterparts. They have higher rates of heart disease, diabetes, and hypertension compared to their white counterparts. Black people have on average longer waiting times in the emergency department. According to a report by the American Medical Association in 2015, white people wait on average 80 minutes in the emergency department, while black people wait on average, wait an average of 99 minutes. Why is that? What contributes to that potential life or death difference of 19 minutes? I found this to be really unsettling. So I dug a little deeper. I try to look at this problem through several avenues. Um, Are African-Americans going to different emergency departments than white people? Is their healthcare coverage different? Does that affect their care if it is? What about healthcare providers? Do they play a role? Are there underlying racial biases that subliminally affect care? And lastly, what about baseline wellness? Do African-Americans have equal access to healthy and nourishing foods, fresh air, and exercise? Here's what I found. Number one, geography matters. Where we live has a direct relationship on our access to quality education, jobs, housing, healthy food, and safe outdoor space. We have sufficient evidence to support that each of these key factors contributes to both our health and our quality of life there's a famous quote in the harvard journal that states when it comes to good health our zip code can be more important than our genetic code this reinforces the idea that health and wellness stem from geographic location it matters where we live it matters where we go to school it matters where we work And having a safe space to play outside or exercise or even get fresh air, it all matters. Research support that these things all come first and foremost in the wellness of African Americans before even considering what happens at the doctor's office or the emergency department. So if you live in a poor community, you are exposed to more environmental toxins, which can build up in your system and cause chronic health issues over time. For every dollar that a white person makes, a black person makes 59 cents. This puts African-Americans at a disadvantage when it comes to being able to afford quality health insurance and quality care. I also thought this was interesting that 60% of the U.S. population identifies as white and they control 90% of the country's wealth. Healthy food is also hard to access in poor communities. Think about where all the Whole Foods markets are located. In Nashville, we have one in Green Hills, which is a highly affluent area. To give you a reference point, it sits on the same street as a West Elm, a Lululemon, a Pottery Barn, and an Anthropology. Our second Whole Foods is in Franklin, Tennessee, which is a very affluent Nashville suburb. Our third just opened up downtown and it's in a quote-unquote nice area. I'm not insinuating that you can't get quality food outside of Whole Foods. I'm just simply bringing a visual to something we know to be true, right? Geography matters. Geography contributes to insidious racism in the form of health and wellness in the Black community. Second of all, the media is not innocent. In literature, Black is statistically significantly paired with the words poor, violent, lazy, and dangerous. Conversely, white is paired with wealthy, successful, and educated. It would be uncouth to reject the idea that subliminal messages in literature affect our unconscious bias. This includes clinicians, by the way. There is sufficient evidence to suggest that biased treatment of African-Americans by practitioners. This leads to poor communication between patient and provider. This also leads to decreased quality scores of doctors by African-American patients. So what can we do about this? Well, I said it earlier on, change starts with me. So change starts with you too. Take inventory of your own thoughts and feelings. Do you perhaps hold any unconscious biases? What subliminal messages did you encounter as a child or even now? Now, I know I'm asking you to step into the uncomfortable. These questions are not easy to ask. And digging deep inside yourself and confronting some things about yourself that maybe you don't like or want to change, that's an uncomfortable place to be. And I recognize that. But that's where the change starts, is in us. So think about maybe some biases that you have that you are so, they're so under the surface that you don't even pay attention to them. Those are the dangerous ones. Those are the ones we need to change. You know, when you're... When you're walking on the sidewalk, do you pay attention to different races differently? Do you, do your actions change? Um, Yeah, we'll talk about that more. Um, Another thing you can do is listen to others. I think it's really important to get perspective from someone who has experience with racial injustice um, and to learn from them. And, you know, be humbled by their experiences and allow them to influence yours. Uh, Another thing you can do is really work to understand the deep history and disconnect that racial injustice has played and continues to play in our societal rhetoric so that you can... advocate for change. And what that looks like is going to be different for all of us. Maybe that's signing petitions or participating in a peaceful protest or working with your local school system to get African American children access to healthy lunches or a safe after-school program. Maybe it's writing to whole foods and asking them to consider placing their store in a more accessible location. I don't know. I there's so many there's the list goes on right maybe you start an urban garden the main thesis here is change starts with inner self it starts on the inside and it grows into outer action so allow yourself to be humbled allow yourself to be changed and then go out and change the world I thought it would be helpful if we could get some real insight, so I've asked my dear friend and colleague, occupational therapist, Andrea Jones, to join us today. Andrea has been practicing occupational therapy for 18 years. She graduated from the University of Tennessee Health Science Center in Memphis, Tennessee. She is a selfless mother of four and is always finding ways to donate her time and resources to others. She is a true healthcare hero, and she brings a unique perspective as both an African American woman and a healthcare practitioner. So please join me in welcoming Andrea.
1: Thank you so much for having me today, Stephanie. I am truly honored to be a part of this very important podcast. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, I am so grateful that you're here. I just... Andrea and I have known each other for a few years, and this is a topic that we've discussed frequently, I would say, throughout my, my time in the hospital with her, just yes. an ongoing conversation, and we need to continue to have these conversations. So, Andrea, do you have any initial reactions or thoughts to this information?
1: Well, this information is definitely unsettling to me. Um, I was aware of some of the data that you've presented on today, but this information, but the information that I was not aware of has truly taken me by storm. And it's sad. It's very sad. It's a shame that not only are many blacks dealing with the widespread issues of social racism, but also preventable health issues because of subtle racist tendencies that are often not taken into consideration. Um, I feel like we're going into a downward spiral as far as our health is concerned. And many of the issues can be better supported to allow for a decrease in the various incidences and diagnoses that you spoke of earlier in this podcast. Um, This definitely isn't a new thing. We both know that. Um, It actually occurred during the times of slavery. Back then, Slave masters would have animals slaughtered for food, and the slaves had to eat the the unattractive organs and body parts of the animals that were thrown away. And this is where cleaned and cooked pig intestines that we refer to as chitterlings or chitlins, um, oxtails, pig's feet, and hog jaws came into play. And of course now, it's celebrated in the African-American community and referred to as soul food. And although um, this way of eating has been carried down from generation to generation, the difference, the the big difference between then and now is that we now have a much more sedentary way of life. Um, Instead of being out working in the fields, doing that tough force manual labor in drastic temperatures, Um, Many are now binge-watching TV series, playing video games, using cell phones and iPads a good bit of their time. And when we do go to the gym, it's generally for 45 minutes to an hour, maybe three to four days a week, compared to our ancestors who were slaves and worked from sunup to sundown six days a week. They were less likely to be obese from eating this way, and in turn may not have suffered as much from diabetes, high cholesterol, and heart disease as we do now. So yes, for me, it was very unsettling.
0: Wow. I I never even thought about that, the soul food. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I guess our, our eating habits a lot of times come from our families and what we grew up with, and if that's passed down from generation to generation, that's, wow, thank you for that insight.
1: Yeah, just kind of a different way of looking at it.
0: Yeah. Goodness. Are are there other ways that insidious racism contributes to health and wellness in the African-American community? Yeah. Um,
1: well, um, in the research I've done, I've I've been very drawn to the mental health aspect of it. Um, I ran across a term coined as race-based traumatic stress syndrome. And this, in my opinion, needs to be discussed more as it is a very real issue. So in my research, I found Um, a person by the name of Williams D.R., who reported that, quote, empiric investigations have linked racism to poor mental health and have shown that racism is stressful and compromises the mental health of persons of color. It has been shown that persons suffering from race-based traumatic stress syndrome displayed symptoms of depression, general anxiety, low self-esteem, and feelings of humiliation. It was also noted that one may express the trauma through anxiety, anger, rage, depression, low self-esteem, shame, and guilt, end quote. So these symptoms are truly realities this day and time for African-Americans, especially as a result of police brutality, uh, among, of course, among other forms of racism. Uh, Many of our Black men and women are scared to encounter a police officer. And I know that since the media has reported so much on instances, various instances of police brutality, I have been stopped a time or two. And my, my heart rate just, it raced. I mean, because I didn't know the personality trait of the officer stopping me. It was very real to me, psychologically. And, and physically at that moment. Um, I personally have been affected in more of an emotional and psychological way um, from a very, like I experienced racism at a very early age for the first time. And for me, it was at the age of four, I was in pre-K. And I had friends that would only play with me on certain days of the week because of the, the color of my skin. And it bothered my little four-year-old self so badly that I came home most days asking my dad to paint me white so I could play with the other kids every day. So this in turn gave me a low self-esteem. I had stomach aches that were due to the anxiety that I felt about going to school each day. And I acted out towards the other children by hitting them and biting them So the scenario that I just gave concerning my days in preschool, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that was a classic example of race-based traumatic stress syndrome. Um, This was definitely not a fun time for me. And I remember many details, even to this day. I've experienced other racial injustices since becoming an adult including but not limited to being called the n-word by two caucasian male patients um i've also been followed closely and watched closely by staff in retail stores as i was shopping Mm -hmm. um and these things truly weigh down on a person it makes you feel less than and just to be real it hurts it truly hurts Um, to see all that's going on in our country right now is just sad. It's a very sad condition for us to be in. Mm
0: -hmm. I was, um, to your point, I was reading about um, what's called racial microaggressions. Have you Mm -hmm. heard of that term? No, I've never heard of that. So what it means is, um, like, it, it talks about the effects that just microaggressions, kind of like your your example of um, people watching you closely in a retail store have on on your mental health and um, this example was on young african American males who noticed that you know when they're walking on the sidewalk maybe. People, um, maybe white people hold on to their purses tighter or their pocketbook and the kind of effect that that has on their mental health. That Mm -hmm. is, um, what we would consider racial microaggressions. And I'd never heard this term before. I'd never thought about that, but I think there's a lot of truth to it. I think that, um, those things happen and that they do weigh down on people.
1: Oh, definitely. My husband reports things like that all the time to me. I mean, it's unreal.
0: Gosh, I can't imagine how I would feel if I was just, you know, walking my dog down the sidewalk and then somebody decides that they don't trust me without even knowing me and deciding that they're going to hold on to their things a little tighter. I think that would, I think that would ruin my day. I really think that would ruin my day.
1: Yeah, based solely on the color of your skin, yeah, or what you're wearing,
0: I think or the that, type of
1: music you're listening to, or you know, just anything.
0: Yeah, this needs to stop. We need to to get to get rid of these social biases, and and this this, I I really like that term uh, racial microaggressions because, um, while it's not an outward like. I'm going to hurt you aggression. It's, it's, it is aggression and aggression is a strong word. And there are just these small moments and instances that can really have an effect on one's mental health. And I'm so glad you brought up mental health. Uh, That's something that I need to do more research on. So do you, do you have any advice for listeners who want to advocate for change
1: well, I actually have several suggestions for you listeners who want to advocate for change. First, I believe it starts in the home. Um, educate yourselves and educate your children beginning at a young age. Expose your children to other races by purchasing them books and encouraging them to watch cartoons that have characters that are races outside of your own. Um, it's good to purchase baby dolls of different races, so that when they encounter people of different races, they're not surprised by it. They're they're already in the know about diversity. Um, Talk to them about how God made all of us different, but these differences are what make us special in our own way. Talk to them, be open, be honest with them, make them feel welcome to ask questions. My next suggestion is to vote, not only on a national level, because some of us are guilty of that, and I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I've been guilty of that myself in the past. But vote mindfully on a local level as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Take the time to learn what each nominee stands for. And just ask yourself, will this person truly stand for liberty and justice for all? Mm Lastly, I'd like to suggest having an open dialogue with your fellow black brothers and sisters. Listen to what they have to say, and truly listen, truly listen to them, and try not to become defensive concerning what their responses may or may not be. It's of the opinion that if we could learn to understand one another's viewpoints and previous experiences, we could make our nation a much better place to coexist. Mm. These uncomfortable truths have to be confronted as part of the healing process before we can move forward.
0: Andrea, you are such a beautiful speaker.
1: Oh, Stephanie.
0: That was beautiful. Yes. And I so appreciate you for, I know I've asked all sorts of dumb questions over the years about things that, or it feels dumb coming out of my mouth, questions about race and, and um, black culture and, you know, how things work, especially coming from the North. I definitely experienced um, a a culture, a culture shock moving down to the South.
1: And Mm -hmm. I feel like
0: I'm so grateful for you, for um, your insight and your wisdom. And you, you have such a beautiful heart you always give just the most like christ-like advice and i just really i really value that about you so thank you for those suggestions
1: thank you stephanie don't don't make me start crying on (laughs) here um
0: are there any particular books or films or shows or podcasts that you recommend to help our white listeners learn and grow and understand this issue?
1: There are several that I've come across. Um, some I've already finished and others are still on my to-do list. I'm a very busy person. Um, as I stated before, I, I believe that it starts in the home. So for children, a few great books to start with are as follows. Um, the first one is entitled Soul Way. And that is spelled S U L W E. And this book is written by Lupita Nyongo. The next book is called Colorful, and that is spelled Colorful C O L O R F U L L. So that has two L's at the end by Dorina Williamson. And the last book that I'd like to recommend for children is entitled It's Okay to Be Different by Sharon Pertill. Mm. All of these books can be found on Amazon. They've been highly recommended and they have um, four and a half to five star reviews. So a few of the adult books that I might recommend would include um, a book entitled The Beginning of the End of Racism in America, Black and White by Elaine Sharp and Richard Sharp Jr. And the second book I'd like to recommend is entitled Biased by Jennifer L. Eberhardt. So I have a couple of films that may be good discussion starters or may even provide insight to adults. Um, and the first one is actually not based on a true story, but it's a great discussion starter in my opinion. And this this movie, it's actually a movie, it's entitled American Son and this is, um, starring Kerry Washington Mm -hmm. and the second one is actually one that you recommended to me and I I really enjoyed um watching this but um it is entitled When They See Us and it's based on the true story of the Central Park Five. Both of those those shows were very enlightening for me personally and I highly recommend them. Um, For children I recommend a show that was aired on CNN a couple of months ago and CNN joined forces with Sesame Street, and they, they aired a show entitled Coming Together, Standing Up to Racism, a town hall for kids and families. So my husband and I sat our children down, and we watched this show together, and it, it did an awesome job of breaking down these racial issues to a child's level of understanding. And it was an excellent opportunity for us to answer any questions that our, our, our own children had regarding these issues. Um, because once again, I have to go back to my strong opinion that a lot of these things are not gonna change unless we start the change in our own homes. So these are just a few suggestions, in my opinion, that would be a great start to opening up dialogue and forming, formulating change
0: in our mindsets
1: concerning racism.
0: Love that. Yes, I agree. I think it needs to start in the home too, and we need to start young. Yes. Um, <clears throat> listeners, I will um, include any uh, book or film or show that Andrea recommended in the show notes so that you can have a direct link to those those sources so you're not having to I know a lot of people are driving when they're listening to this so you don't have to worry about trying to jot anything down we will we will provide you with all the information that you'll need um, for those resources um, yes yeah, we'll send you that information thank you for sharing that Andrea you you mentioned a couple that I hadn't heard of so I'm definitely going to check them out um, and I love I, I love that Sesame Street did a town hall. I don't have children, so I'm, I feel like I'm out of the know for, for children uh, content, but that's really, I love that. I love that so much.
1: Yes, they did an awesome
0: job. Do you have, Andrea, do you have any closing thoughts or sentiments that you would like to add to this conversation? Because I just want to kind of open the floor up Um, if, if I didn't ask a question that, that, um, was something you wanted to talk about.
1: Well, I actually love the manner in which you stated it earlier in this podcast, Steph, change starts with inner self and grows into outer action. Hmm. Um, we must show genuine love and empathy towards one another, no matter what your ethnic background is. Yes. And it, My suggestion is just to take a moment sometimes to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Mm. This might allow us to understand one another better. And in my opinion, love always prevails. And if we can love more, the world will be a much better place. And we can all begin to live healthier and happier, more fulfilling lives. Um, I just, again, would like to thank you for allowing me the honor of participating in this podcast. Um, These are discussions that need to be had um, in order for us to move forward.
0: Well, I, I, sister, likewise, I'm so thankful that you took time out of your busy. Y'all, I think I mentioned Andrea has four kids, four young children. And so (laughs) she is the busiest person on planet earth. So I'm so grateful that um, you we're so giving of your time today. I know that's not easy for you. Um, and thank you for broadening our perspective. Um, you, you so beautifully put into words uh, experiences and, and suggestions and things that we can, we can kind of marinate on and sit with and learn from and grow from. And I really hope that listeners that you take action. Um, Andrea mentioned several call to actions. And I hope that you, you can glean those from this conversation and, and actually use them in your life because it does, it starts with us. It starts with me. It starts with me. Exactly. I, this, is, this is one thing that I'm doing to, to address my own shortcomings is I'm having this conversation and I'm having it publicly so that other people can learn alongside of me. This, this has got to end, you guys. And it's, it ends with us. It ends with us. So please, please have these conversations with your families. Dig deep into the uncomfortable places and look at your own biases. We all have them, right? Figure out which ones are, are insidious racism and, and change them. Take the opportunity to change your opinions, change your biases. Next time you are walking outside and you see a black man, don't hold on to your purse tighter. You can make that decision. And <clears throat> I think that as, as we continue to have these discussions and we continue to change our hearts and our minds, that I have hope for America. I have hope that, that racism will be a thing of the past. It, it has to start here. It has to start now. And we have to make this lifelong commitment to, to change. So, um, Andrea, I'm, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for your, your friendship and your, um, your constant insight. I feel like I'm always learning from you. And thank I'm you. just, I really appreciate you.
1: Um, well, thank you, Stephanie. I feel the same way about you. And it has been an honor and a pleasure
0: and thank you listeners for, for tuning in to this humbling episode of The Holistic House. Um, again, I'm your host, Stephanie Center. And, and as always, go out into the world and be well and be kind.